mean Mary, not Martha. <laughs> Oops. All right, guys. Good to have everybody here this morning. I'm Pastor Berto. We're about to get ready to worship Jesus. Good to have everybody. Come, please stand up for those that are sitting down. Praise God. I'm going to have Brother Ishmael come up. He's going to share a quick testimony. Let's give it up to Brother Ishmael. Amen. There he is. Hallelujah. What's going on, everybody? Man, I just want to testify about God's goodness in my life. My mom got saved when I was about five years old, so she would drag me to church by the ear every, you know, every Sunday. Like, come on, boy. We're going to church. And, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, <laughs> I'm looking at this young man. I wasn't that thin, but yeah. <laughs> as a kid growing up, you know, I would be at church and I... Re- I uh, started to understand what the presence of God was, you know, what, what it meant to, to feel or God in a room while people were praising him, while people were raising their hands, while people were doing, you know, the things of the church. So, but as a teenager, I quickly rebelled. As soon as I could, I quickly rebelled from the things of God. You know, in high school, I just started doing what I wanted to do. And, you know, mama couldn't drag me by the ear anymore. You know, she could have, but she just didn't want to anymore. She's like, Lord, I just trust you. You know, I gave him to you. I remember being a little boy, and uh, in the, in my mom, who, who had just got saved, dedicated me to Jesus. You know, usually you dedicate babies, but I was like like seven, six, seven years old, and she dedicated me to Jesus in front of the church, you know. So anyway, so she trusted the Lord with me. Throughout my high school and even into college, man, I was just doing my own thing, you know. I was living sex, drugs, rock and roll. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a rock star, you know? Uh, so much to the point where I would come home, you know, 17, 18, come home at 3 in the morning, whatever, drunk or just high or just ha- after a good time. And uh, I would see my mom in the living room on her knees, you know, just praying for me. And she would tell me, I'm praying for you. And I'd be like, oh, Ma, just leave me alone, you know? But the Holy Spirit started working in my life. And I can go through, the, through my whole life story, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is never give up on God. If you're praying for somebody, and if you're, if you're asking God to move in somebody's life, tr- trust not just in your prayer, but trust in Jesus. Amen? Trust that He is hearing you and the Holy Spirit is moving. So I just want to tell you that today. You know, to lean not in your own understanding. But in all things, acknowledge him. So let's just lift up our hands right now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We worship you today, God. We stand, Father God, on the rock, on Christ, the solid rock. I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Father God, we just lift you up. Come on. Just start to praise him right now. Come on, church. Start to praise him. Start to lift him up right now. Is he worthy? Is he not moving in your life? Has he not been faithful to you? Praise him, praise him. Come on. Let's hear shouts of praises. Hallelujah, God. We love you. We dedicate this service to you. In Jesus' name.
Well, let me sing it out and chosen. Chosen, I am free. I am living for eternity. Free now, forever. You fix me up, turn me around, set my feet on the side of the road. Yours now, forever. We'll say, and nothing's gonna hold me back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. So amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. Everything You washed my sin and sent away a slave is clean of what you did free now forever I boldly I approach your throne to claim this crown through Christ my own is yours now forever I wanna sing nothing and nothing's gonna hold me back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. Yeah, nothing's gonna hold me back. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. So amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave everything. Come see, I'm free to live. And now I'm free to live. I'm free to give. I'm free to be. I'm free to love you. Free to live. I'm free to give. I'm free to be. I'm free. Come on, sing it out. I'm free to live. I'm free to give. I'm free to be. I'm free to love you, Lord. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. So amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. Now I'm free to live. I'm free to give. Come on, sing it. Free to love you, I'm free to live, free to give, free to be, free to love you, Lord. Let me you sing it. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. You gave it all. Oh, oh. 
to give the Lord some praise here to this morning. Come on. We give you praise, Lord. Oh, we worship you, God. Sweet worship you, Lord. Come on, isn't he good this morning? I don't know about you, but when I sing songs about God, it has me thinking about God, and, and this song really does it for me. Holding nothing back. That's our position towards God. Like, God, I'm holding nothing back. When it comes to worship, God, I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to sing. And the reason why you're holding nothing back is because when you realize what God did for you, you realize God held nothing back himself. God, an all-powerful being, before there was ever an earth, before there was a universe, before you had parents, before you were born, God was. And this God, before the creation of time, before the universe, before the creation of the world, he was a lamb slain. And in life, you know how we messed it up, you know, from Adam and Eve and in sin gave birth to death and that affects us all. I wish I can say that, man, every day you're going to wake up, you're going to feel great. And there's not going to be any problems in the world, no more poverty, no more disease, no more death. I can't say that because sin is in this world. But you see God, but you see God, that he holds nothing back from us. I want you to think this morning, man, what am I giving to God? Am I holding something back to him? Because God, he held nothing back. And when you think about it, what is the, the greatest thing that God can give? Is it money? Is it popularity? Is it fame? God can only give to you what he has, and he gave you himself. There's nothing greater than God. God doesn't swear anything else by his name. And so Jesus Christ, God, he says, I'm going to give it all. I'm giving everything. I'm giving my life. And the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. Not that you're great at loving people, not that you're a good person, but because he first loved you. Come on. God, we're holding nothing back this morning, God. In our lives, you are God. We want to reflect that in our worship and our praise. Boom, this next song is called Relentless, and it's talking about the same thing. God, he doesn't stop. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, he doesn't stop. Come on. He's coming after you this morning. Amen. Come on. Let me sing it. Salvation sounds a new beginning. Distant hearts begin believing. Redemption's bed is unrepentant. We'll see your love. Your life goes on. Your life goes on. You carry us. You carry us, carry us when the world gives way. Cover us, cover us with your endless grace. 
Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Sing the time. The time is up for chasing shadows. You gave the world a lot to follow. Come on and sing a hope. A hope that shines beyond tomorrow. Sing it loud. Your love goes on. Your love goes on. Carry us, you carry us when the world is plain. You cover us, you cover us with your endless rain. Your love is relentless. 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 Your love is darkness breaking every chain you set us free fighting for the furthest heart you get your love love is relentless your love is relentless your love is relentless
We're a church that believes in the Holy Spirit. We believe that God desires to talk to his people. And he wants much more than just karaoke songs. He wants to have a heart-to-heart. So right now, if you're feeling led of the Lord to share a word this morning, please go ahead and just share what the Lord is putting on your heart. Jonathan this morning. God was saying, don't be afraid to let me use you. Come on, some of you guys need boldness to be a Christian. You can't be afraid to live for Christ. Come on, you can't be afraid to live for Christ. Come on, to open your mouth and speak truth. Come on, if you've been holding back, come on, if God has been saying, man, I want you to go talk to this person, I want you to be bold, I want you to just follow me, trust me, come on, I want you to have faith. If you haven't been acting and living by faith, come on, just raise your hands with us this morning. Come on, that word was for you. And just say, God, I ask for faith, I ask for boldness in Jesus' name. Come on. Oh, God, we ask for an outpouring of faith and of boldness upon your servants upon your disciples here this morning God we know Holy Spirit you come in power so we ask Lord that you fill us with power this morning to be bold for you Christ hallelujah The time is now. Come on, the time is now. Come on. The time is now. You know, God's word says all throughout scriptures 
that today is the day of salvation. It doesn't say tomorrow. It doesn't say, it says today is the day of salvation. Come on, and for those people who aren't living by faith, who walked away from the Lord, come on. If you backslidden, come on. If he's no longer your first love, he's saying today is the day. Now is the time you can come to me, says the Lord. We're going to leave this altar open as we get ready to sing this next song. But I believe God is speaking. God is moving. And this is what I want to encourage everyone in this place. But especially for those people who God was speaking to this morning through those words. If you feel that God was speaking to you directly, like God was calling your number, I'm going to leave this altar open as we get ready to sing this next song. I want you to come up here and just return to God. Come on, if you need to repent from your sins, repent of your ways. Come on, this altar is open for you. There's no shame. Come on, there's only healing. There's restoration. There's joy. Hallelujah. Come on.
to thank him oh lord thank you for a new life oh thank you for salvation that defeats death oh sin has no hold in my life i'm set free oh lord oh lord hallelujah yes come on and praise him praise him in spite of 
your past, in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your failures. And he says, because I love you, I'm going to forgive you. And because I love you, I'm going to change you. And because I love you, I'm going to bring you close to me. And because I love you, I'm going to glorify you. No one else can love you like that. No one else can do that for you. No, then life in itself, I found a hope stronger and nothing compares I once was lost but now I'm alive in you I found a love Jesus I found a love greater than life in itself I found a hope Stronger and nothing compares. I once was morning some of our hopes are crushed because of what we see in the news and we think this country's going under and we're going to go under with it 
I want you to know there is an undying hope in Christ. Amen. Uh, that's, that's just a word to encourage us in the midst of troubled times. But let us, uh, let, let us begin to take communion. Let us prepare that as um, our ushers, they hand out the bread and the cup. Who here has taken communion before? Amen. Who's, who's done in a Christian church or maybe it's just in a Catholic background or something like that? Okay. We're going to do communion the right way, but I just want to tell you how communion sometimes gets done the wrong way. Sometimes in some churches, they treat the communion like that's how you get saved. Everybody with me? You take this bread and you take this cup, and that becomes your means of salvation. But how many know the Bible says that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ? Amen. And then that's what makes us saved. So we're not taking communion to be saved. We're taking communion because we are saved. And if you aren't saved, you need to get saved. And Jesus will cleanse your heart right now and, and he'll forgive you right now. And you can take this communion with, with a pure heart just like everybody else. But understand, it's by faith. And furthermore, it's because, you know, the church dispenses the cup and the bread. They think the church is, is like a mediator of salvation, but the devil's a liar. Every man is a priest unto God in the sense that we all can come to God for ourselves because of what Jesus did, because of what he's completed on our behalf. Let's look at Luke 22, 19 through 20. And just to reiterate, the cup and the bread does not save you. The church does not save you. Faith in Jesus Christ saves you. If you take a mustard seed of faith this morning, just a little bit, it's like, Jesus, I don't know, I don't even know how to believe in you. Like, I, you, you just trust him. You just take him at his word. He's the son of God. He died for your sins. He rose on the third day. He's going to come back to give life to us all. Take him at his word this morning. Amen? And he'll save you. Repent of your sins and believe that he will cleanse you of those sins. Amen. And he and you will be saved at that point. Luke 22, 19 through 20. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Can someone bring me a cup, please? And gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And as I've reiter uh, uh, established, every man and every woman is their, pre is their own priest unto God. So normally we have a tradition, sometimes we do it all together as a church, or which is fine. Or sometimes we say, do it with your family, do it with someone you love. But I want everybody to make it personal. I want and, and, if, and if you're not used to hanging out with Jesus, I want to make it a little uncomfortable too. I'm going to force you to hang out with Jesus and have communion with him. Amen. And uh, so everybody, you're just going to find your place. You might want to kneel. You might just want to, you know, it's, it's kind of packed in here, so you're not going to find a, a huge open amount of space to move about in, but you're going to find your own place in your heart with God. Amen. So I want us to take about the, just the next minute, just have it out with Jesus. Amen. Just, just talk about your life, you know, your whatever needs to change. Talk about what he means to you and, and, and just 
pour out your heart to the Lord and thank him and remember his cross and remember his blood. And if you're one of those that needs to put faith in Jesus this morning and be saved, then you need to do that now. So we're going to take just the next minute. I'm not going to even talk. Just you and the Lord. interrupt too much, but make time also to hear from God between speaking to him as well. He will speak to you. haven't taken these these elements of communion, I suggest you do so now. The body represents his blood, uh, his, his, uh, the bread representing his body, and the cup representing his blood, which is uh, given for us. this morning. By the way, we're, amen. I know it's a sober moment, but we're not at a funeral. Jesus is alive and he lives forever. Hallelujah. Um, but it is, it is a, a, a sober moment because we do remember we're nothing without him. We'd be, we'd be so lost without him. So we are grateful this morning. We're sober this morning. Thank you, Jesus.
What I would like to do right now uh, is, is I'm going to have Chris and Monique, if you guys could stand there, and they're um, some of our leaders. And if you're one of those that put your faith in Jesus this morning, or if you still don't know how to put your faith in Jesus, talk to them. They're rock-solid, godly people, and they will uh, they will help you to, to understand what that means. And if you need to be discipled, if you want to take it to the next level of your walk with God, if you're serious about following Jesus Christ, they will uh, get you started on that as well. Uh, let's, let's all stand up for a moment. We're going to say together our confession of faith. This is an embodiment of what we believe as a church, what the Bible teaches, and what the church has always believed and has been transmitted to us today. So we, we stake our lives on these timeless truths. Amen. And we're going to say it together as a big family. At the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, by Christ alone, God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. We're going to fellowship for a moment, tell somebody you love them, meet someone new this morning.
this morning. Make some noise. Welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We are so excited and happy that you joined us this morning. Uh, Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And also every Friday, our youth group meets Elevate at 7 p.m. They're growing strong. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. If you've received a brochure at the door, please fill out the bottom portion and just drop into the drop box. Look to your neighbor say, it's good to see you here this morning. Amen. We got some exciting announcements. Who's excited about Pastor Anthony and his wife, Melanie Freeman, coming? Come on, we are pumped about that. They're coming on November 17th. They'll be here with us for our ordination service at 10 o'clock. And immediately the next week following, which is November 24th, which is a Sunday as well, is our baptisms. So be excited about that. If you want to be baptized, talk to your life group leaders. It's going to be a lot of fun. Invite all your friends and family, please, for both of these Sundays, the 17th and the 24th. Write them in your calendars. We are going to have a lot of fun with our uh, pastors and with these baptisms. Amen. And another announcement for our outreach is our Thanksgiving outreach. And we are always so excited about this every year. It's Thursday on Thanksgiving Day, November 28th at 9.30. We'll meet here. We'll go to the west side. We'll feed people. We're enjoying with another church. So we're just getting ready to have some fun. Who wants to have some fun with their church this, this month? Come on. Amen. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. We strive to do that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. Our schedule is on the back of your handout. What is happening for this quarter for October, November, and December. And then just to give you a snapshot of our week, this is what's happening just this week at MPI. Every Sunday night, we have our Encounter Prayer Night Life Group at 5 p.m. This Wednesday, every Wednesday, King's Kids Life Group, where we mentor and disciple your children, infant to 11 years old. If you know any children or have children in those ages, you can come with them. You can drop them off, head out, have a date night, do some laundry. But that's every Wednesday at 6.30. And then Saturday is our sidewalk counseling with Pastor Jared and the team. That's a life group. They go out and minister to the women walking in and out of the abortion clinics. clinics. Powerful, powerful ministry. If you want to join them, please meet this Saturday here at 9 a.m. And also Saturday that evening, every uh, Saturday night, we have our evangelism life group at 6 p.m. They go on the streets, preach the gospel, signs, wonders, and miracles happening. Somebody say amen. So if you don't know what to do this week, you just got a whole bunch of stuff. Look to your neighbor, say there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our 101 and our 201. Our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life is done one-on-one with a leader. We have leaders ready to just embrace you and love you and teach you how to live for Jesus. And then our 201 book is called Disciples That Make Disciples. This is our leadership training class where we teach you and train you to defend the faith, live holy, live humble, all that good stuff, and to one day be an elder or deacon. Somebody say amen. And then, of course, we want to send you out to evangelize, to street preach, and just tell everybody you know about Jesus. And then our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe that, say amen. Come on. And when I'm up here repeating that week after week, 
I actually mean it. So it helps when you guys get excited because it's not just something we made up. We believe that God gave us that vision. Loving God, loving people, connect, mentor, send with 100,000 disciples and 50 churches. And by God's grace, we can do that. And you guys are all the beginning of it. Look around. There's at least 100 people. We got a lot more to go, okay? So this is just the beginning. We want 100,000. And by God's grace, we know it can be done. One disciple making another disciple making another disciple. And we are all a part of the big picture, right? Come on. Amen. At this time, we're going to prepare to give our tithe and offering to the Lord. We teach here at MPI that your tithe is a 10% of your total income. Anything above that is an offering between you and the Lord, which we designate towards missions and building fund. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. We believe that when we put God first in all areas of our life, including our finances, the blessings of God flow. How many of you agree with me? The blessings of God flow, putting your tithe before the Lord, designating a 10% of your income, allows God to know that you're not trusting in the greenback, you're trusting in his provision. And all throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, it is a practice that is continually repeated. We give God 10% of everything he gives because ultimately all of it belongs to him. If you're there in Genesis, say I'm there. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel, speaking of Eve. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. This is Cain and Abel, the, son of Adam and the sons of Adam and Eve. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. He did not look up. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. This is a lesson of the story. Cain gave an offering to the Lord and so did Abel. But God accepted and looked with favor on Abel's offering, but not on Cain's. And my lesson to you this morning as I stand before God is let's not give God our leftovers. See, Cain gave God his leftovers. Cain did not give God his best. Abel did. So there's favor that flows on your life when you put God first and give him your best. So as I stand here before you week after week and I talk about the tithe, it's not because you're doing anybody a favor. You're not doing me a favor. You're not doing this church a favor. You're not giving God a favor. When you put in $10, just, hey, I'll give my leftover. Here, here's some change in my pocket. I'll just throw it in there. It, God, God, sh God should accept that. That should be good enough. No, 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 because this example of Cain and Abel is very clear. He looked on favor with Abel's, and he did not look with favor in Cain's. We must give God our best. Amen. Please stand up to your feet with me. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We love the Lord. We thank you all for those that tithe and give out of your generosity before the Lord that are obedient to God's commands. We cannot do this without you. And by God's grace, through our generosity and giving before the Lord, we will win the nations for Jesus. Amen. Let's read this together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you so much, God, for your goodness that abounds to us. We thank you for your provision, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord. We thank you for taking care of us, for your abundant love. I just pray and I lift up every family in this place. Meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Show favor, God, to your faithful ones, to the ones that give, God, the best, God, from what they have, their tithe and their offering. And I pray that those who have not committed their tithe to you, I pray, Lord God, that you would convict them and draw them closer to you, that they will trust you in all things. And here at MPI, we declare, God, that we trust you with every area of our life, especially our finances, because with you, we can do all things. I lift up MPI to you, God. I declare that this month, our budget will be met above and beyond so the nations can come to know you. In Chicago, we'll be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord this morning, and please come forward as you give. How many just want to do the shoulder swag? Come on. Just play that part again, and we're just going to go to the left. We're going to go to the right, and we're just going to jump, jump. I don't know. Is that good enough? And then we jump, 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 jump. In the so you got the crazy guy right there. There's always one. Uh, uh, yes. Here's the guy at the wedding. I'm amazed. Yes. Woo! Amen. Give it up for Jesus and the crazy guy. Like I just couldn't look anymore. I had to like, my face is red. I don't know. Dude, just a little, little embarrassed. But that was awesome. You did it. You went for it. You were like David. You danced. Praise God. How many happy to be in church? Can I get a woo-woo? Amen. So glad to have you here. Visitors, welcome with us. Awesome service to be a part of today. Starting a new sermon series, Heroes of the Faith. This whole month, we're going to be talking about the heroes in the Bible that can inspire you to have great faith in God. I want you to come this whole month bringing your friends and family. We have special guest speakers that are going to be coming, baptisms, a lot of awesome things that are going to happen. But this is going to be the undergirding of what is going to be preached to you every week. And you know the exciting thing about this is you can also sign up for life-changing devotions and have a daily devotion sent to your email about a hero of the faith every single day. Can somebody say amen? Come on. So if you want to go to lifechangingdevotions.com or mpichurch.com, Org. Either way, you can find a daily devotion to be inspired because I took time to find the people that have inspired me in the Bible and write lessons about them so that we can do what they did. Because if we have the faith that they had, God will do for us what he did for them. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't look at one race, one age, one
one gender any differently. What he looks at is faith. Can somebody say faith? Amen. And so today, starting off the series, today's message is faith is. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm not going to be bringing you crazy long notes this series because I really just want to just preach what God gives to me right off the cuff, you know. Nothing hidden up my sleeve. Just I want to drop it like it's hot every month, uh, every week this month so you can be inspired. Amen. I want the inspiration to come to you every week just fresh. So I'm purposely limiting myself to notes. Those of you who have gotten really excited about those and all the multiple points and all of that, this month is just going to be about you walking away with one main lesson every week. And today's main lesson, before we start the series, i got to build the foundation. Today's main lesson is faith is. Faith is. Faith today is in the present. It's not faith was. It's faith is. And, and if you look at the Bible and the stories we're going to learn from today in Hebrews chapter 11, this passage of scripture is known as the hall of faith. The whole entire purpose that the author of Hebrews is writing this passage is that we would see presently that faith is alive, that faith is powerful. And you could just fill in the blank. Faith is with God's people. Faith is moving mountains. Faith is still working miracles. Are you guys with me? So it's faith is dot, 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 whatever you need God to do on your behalf. So I want you to get that today as we learn about faith, that faith is presently here today where God's, words, God's word is. So look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Yeah. Amen. Here it is. Now faith, booyah, right there. You all getting it? You all get where the sermon came from? Now, how about we add one more word to the sermon? How about we add now? Ahora. So the title, brothers, who are making the titles up for the, the website, here's the new sermon title today. Now faith is. See, that wouldn't have happened if I had a lot of notes. You know what I'm saying? We had to go back and change the notes. It wouldn't have happened. See, today we can do it. Amen? And hopefully we won't go an hour and a half preaching. Amen? Some of y'all disappointed, like, oh, pastor, preach an hour and a half. You guys, if you weren't here last week, you missed an hour and a half sermon. It was awesome, amen. Some people still got the deer in the headlight look like, no, Pastor, we're all right. We cool, we cool, we cool. We... Just keep going, keep going. Okay, now faith is. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Now faith is. That's today's message. We're... My whole job today, for as long as it takes, no, no less, no longer than an hour, hopefully, is to help you understand now faith is. Now faith is confidence and what we hope for, an assurance about, we, about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was made out of what, uh, what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, somebody say by faith. Thank you. Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And I don't know if Nancy knew my secret recipe today, what I was going to be preaching on, but she just talked about that in tithes and offerings. Somebody say confirmation. Hey. So by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. How many know if you're going to give an offering, you need to have some faith? You better love Jesus if you're giving money in the church. you got to have faith. 
Otherwise, you just think you're just throwing it out there just in the, you know, to never, never land. You're helping the pastor get a new car, a new Bentley. But if you believe in the church and the purpose of God and what God's doing, you got to have faith to give. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes I think it takes more faith to give away your wallet than it does your heart. Because some be like, I'll give Jesus my heart, but my wallet's staying right here, Jack. My wallet's right here. Don't you dare try to take it. Your woman holding on to the purse, somebody try to get it. Wah, you know, just hit them like, back off. This is mine. This is mine. Jesus, you get this right here. You get my corazón. Here it is, Tito Jesus. You know, sometimes it's easier to give the heart than it is the wallet, but both are connected. Amen? God said you can't love money and love God. You're going to hate one and love the other. Hate the one or love the other. You've got to choose whose master you're going to serve. Serve God. Amen? By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Number, uh, verse 5. By faith. Somebody say, by faith. by faith. Thank you. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, this is one of these men in the Bible that maybe I'll talk about this week, but I want you to help me to decide who I'm going to talk about, what heroes of the faith. I've listed out over 30 that are in our devotionals, and they're on my Facebook right now, Joe Irostic Facebook. Booyah. Go there, and you'll see 30 names listed. I want you to vote today about who I should preach on, okay? Enoch is, could be one of them. I have Elijah there. I have Abraham there. I have uh, Deborah there, Hannah there. I want you to help me know what I'm going to preach on this month, amen? So check that out. But today, I just want to just touch on Enoch. His story is so uh, mysterious. We don't know much about him, only a few verses in the Bible. He lived uh, before Noah, but after Adam. So he's between Adam, you know, the first man that was created, and uh, before Noah. So he's between Adam and Noah. And the Bible says that he lived about 365 years. He walked with God, and then God took him, and he was no longer on the earth. Now, if you're not a person of faith, you would say, man, this is make-believe. But I'm a person of faith, so I believe this story. And it seems to be significant enough for the Bible to write it. And what it is to us today is a precursor, a shadow of the rapture that Christians believe in, that one day we're going to be here on this earth, then in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to take us with our bodies into heaven, but our bodies will change into his perfect resurrected type body, a spiritual body. You guys tracking with me? And so all the way back in the Old Testament between Adam and Noah was this man named Enoch, and the Bible says right here at the beginning that he teaches us that we should have faith like him because he pleased God. He pleased God so much that God said, Enoch, let's hang out today. And, and, God, and Enoch started hanging out. A couple years went by. And then God said, hey, let's, let's do some more stuff together. Let's pray together. Let's, let's change the world together. And they were hanging out together. And Enoch was pleasing God so much that, Abraham, uh, that God said to Enoch, hey, I don't want to keep coming down to you down there. Why don't you come up to me up here and spend time with me in heaven? Now, you can think that's cray-cray, but that's the Bible, amen? People watch Star Trek and they're like, oh, beam me up, Scotty. That's believable, but I don't know about the Bible. Hey, God who created the universe can pull up one of his own and say, let's come chill for a little bit, amen? 
Now, you know the mystery about time in God's perspective. Time is not like how it is for us, for God. The Bible says that a thousand years is like one day to God, right? So he left probably around 4,000 B.C. It's 2,000 A.D. So he's only been chilling up there for a week. It's, you know, in God's economy, he's like, hey, you want to come take a vacay with me? Come spend a little week up here in heaven. Forget Disney World. Come on up here. And he's just chilling up there. And he's like, man, I've almost been up here a week. And he's going to come back down. You know who he's going to come back down with? Elijah, we believe, because Elijah was also taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. So there's two people in heaven that have not died. Have not died. Even Jesus died, but he rose again. But there's two people who have not died, and, and uh, they, you know, they went directly to heaven. And we believe they come back as the last two witnesses during the time of tribulation. And there they'll stop the rain. They'll do great miracles. They'll fight against the Antichrist. They'll help save all those here that got left behind because the believers have gone up to be with God. You guys tracking with me? Okay. And then they'll die and suffer a martyr's death. So they're in heaven today. But here we learn Enoch, he could could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who what? Pleased God. How many people want to please God like Enoch? And look at verse 6. And without what? Without faith. Thank you. It is impossible to please God. And here's the, the substance that we need to get about faith, the definition. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Everybody say, God exists and rewards those who seek him. Thank you. Now, just look up at me for a moment. I just want to preach to you for a little bit about this, and I want to tie it into what we talked about last week about overcomers. You know, last week was the closing series sermon to the, the whole month of overcoming, and we were confessing this statement every single week. I am who God said I am, and I can do what God said I can do. Does anybody remember that? You're going to live by that principle? Right, But now here, as we look to God and we want to have our faith in God, we have to believe that God is who he said he is and that he will do what he said he would do. Does everybody get the distinction now? We're believing first that he's going to do in us what he said he's going to do and that he's going to change us and we are that kind of person that he called us to be. But now as we look at the big scope of eternity and heaven and hell and judgment day and angels and living forever on the earth with the kingdom of God ruling and reigning as kings and priests unto the Lord, talking about revelation stuff right here. Does anybody believe in revelation? Right? As we look to all of that and we're like, gulp, I don't know about all that. God is asking us to say, do you believe I am who I said I am? He's asking you that question. Do you believe he is a king of kings and lord of lords? And do you believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do? Because that's what separates the people of faith from the non-people of faith. When we look at this list, and we'll just scroll down, you look at now the, the rest. We've heard about Abel and Enoch, and he lists off more. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah was warned about things to come. Build an ark. By, every time it says by faith, read it with me. By faith, Abraham did such and such. And he did all these awesome things. You can read all about it. He did a lot, so we're going to scroll down for a little bit. Okay, here we go. In verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed Joseph. Look at verse 22. By faith, Joseph, he was asked to, you know, he asked his body to be brought back to Egypt. Verse 23, by faith, Mo, oh, I'm sorry, by Faith, Moses was hid by his parents, and so that he was kept safe. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be in Pharaoh's house. Keep going. Verse 27, by faith, Moses left Egypt. Verse, 
left Egypt, verse 28, by faith. He kept the Passover. Is everybody getting the, the understanding here? By faith, by faith, by faith. These ancient people were commended for their faith. And what faith meant was they knew God existed and that God would reward them for diligently seeking his purposes and plans. In other words, they had to believe God was who he said he was, that he is in fact God, and that he would do what he said he would do. Now go up to this top verse again as the definition is given in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, what faith is. How many want to know what faith is? I want to know what love is. Hey, man, you want to know what faith is? <laughs> I don't know. It just came into my mind. Got to watch that sometimes. But as we look at the definition of faith, I want us to also understand the definition of hope and love. You don't have to turn there with me, but 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So as we get into this definition of faith, I want you to understand it's connected to hope and to love, and love is the greatest thing. You're not really just having faith in a thing of God, like God's power, like that inanimate thing that God has, because God can lift a lot of spiritual weights in the universe. You're having faith in that. Uh, you're not just having faith in golden streets, uh, streets made of gold and pearly gates when you're thinking about heaven. When it comes to faith, you're having faith in the person of God. And that person is love. That person is love. The Bible says God is love. So when I'm having faith in God, I'm having faith in the God of love. See, that's a big deal because if you don't believe God loves you, you may be thinking you're just having faith in somebody that wants to punish you and you have to do this or he's going to hurt you. That is not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is we wrecked his creation. We tore it up and did what was wrong. But he, out of love, has extended to us another chance. Our first life, many of us here, as we're born, we've lived in sin. And we can track out that even if Adam and Eve had never been created and we were the only human beings, by our own life pattern, we have shown ourselves to be sinners. Can anybody, anybody say amen to that? Have you shown yourself to be a sinner? Like, do you admit it? Like, I'm a sinner. Here's something to think about as you uh, come to hear me preach every week. Do you know that this week, November 5th, will mark 18 years since the day Jesus Christ came into my life. Amen. I just want to give glory to God for that. Thank you, Jesus. 18 years ago, my mother at a kitchen table was talking to me because I was a drug addict. My life was messed up. And she was telling me about a God who loved me so much that he sent his only son to die for me that if I would simply trust him, he would save me and give me everlasting life and I would never perish. Has anybody ever received that message? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor when you got born again. Look at your neighbor. Tell him when. November 5th, 1995 for me. When was your day? Your new time. The time you said, I'm trusting God. Take your time. You know your birthday, but do you know your spiritual birthday? Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't those wonderful, aren't those wonderful testimonies? 
Isn't every testimony here precious and special to God? And if you're sitting silent right now saying, I haven't been born again or I'm not right with God, then today's your day. November 3rd, 2013. And you can get baptized November 24th, 2013. Do it. It's worth it. You'll never regret it. I have now been serving God the same amount of time that I was alive before I ever knew God. So from birth to 18, I did things on my own. I came to church, tried it, then I quit, and I tried it again. I've been baptized three times, twice before I was 18, you know. And now I can say I have spent just as much time serving God as I've ever been on this planet. And now every day that goes forward is a new day of a new life that has never been lived before. And the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. So when the Bible says this, look at the definition. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about, we, about what we do not see. Who are we hoping in? We're hoping in God, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus is our mediator to the Father and gives us the Holy Spirit. So he's the central person that we worship and adore. Every knee bows at his throne. Every tongue confesses his name. So it's all about who? It's all about Jesus. So you got to confess him to be saved. So to make it simple today, now faith is confidence in what we hope for in Jesus. It's what we hope for in Jesus. Do you have hope? In Jesus, do you have a living hope today that Jesus was who he said he was and will do what he said he would do? He said, I am the good shepherd. Do you know that when he said that, he blew everybody's mind? They thought that God was only the Father. They didn't know that God was also the Son and the Holy Spirit. So they knew from Psalms 23 when it said, The Lord is my shepherd. That word Lord is in the Hebrew, the divine name of God. Yahweh is my shepherd. And shepherd simply means caregiver. So he, David was writing in Psalms 23, The Yahweh, the great God of the universe, is my caregiver, my shepherd. But when Jesus walked the earth, he said, I am the good shepherd. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. Who is this man blaspheming, saying he's our shepherd? How many know if you were taking the owl or a train tomorrow to work and somebody looked at you and go, hey, just want to let you know I'm your shepherd. Just want to let you know I am all that you need. How many know, ladies, that's why you wear high heels, right? Just, just hold on for a minute. Let me take this off. Bam, 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 losing their eye. It's like, that's why you wear high heels. They're a defense mechanism. You're not all I need, right? And, and uh, you know, we're not comfortable with that. Jesus looked at people and said, I am your shepherd, and I'm a good shepherd. And how you can know that I'm a good shepherd is I'm going to die for you. And sometimes we think, well, I don't need anybody to die for me. I'll make up my own decisions in life, and whatever I've done wrong, I'll pay the penalty. But see, we don't understand the justice of God when we say things like that. The justice of God has to be met out upon every sin. And sin against an eternal God has an eternal consequence. 
You know, as we say here, a life for a life. You know, somebody kills somebody, we, we give them the death penalty or we put them in jail for the rest of their life. How many uh, feel compassion from that, for that woman that was from Ireland that was walking around Wicker Park in Chicago a couple years ago and got beat till she's now permanently crippled? How many feel compassion for that woman? How many believe that that criminal should have to pay with his life? That's justice. But when you and I told a lie... What is the justice of God against a lie? Does he just say, oh, I forgive that lie, no big deal? All things must be held accountable in God's courtroom. And a sin against an eternal God, a God who has no beginning and no end, must be dealt with justice in that same severity. That's why when you sin against God, the Bible doesn't say it's a light thing. The Bible says be terrified, for it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews 10, 26. That's why when we become Christians, we should strive not to sin. And whenever we find ourselves sinning, we should repent and come back to Christ and say, Lord, keep me from this thing that deserves your eternal punishment. But why did Jesus die on the cross? So that he, as an eternal being, it could not be just an angel because an angel is a created being that could be our sacrifice. It couldn't be just an animal. God himself had to take the punishment of his father's justice. So the son took the father's justice upon himself. So the eternal weight of punishment was put on the eternal son of God. It's beautiful when you think of it that way, is it not? The justice of God is met out, and sinners get to go free. You and I get to go free because Jesus paid our penalty. Jesus understands you better than you understand yourself. He sees your shortcomings. He understands our weaknesses, and yet he loves you. And the Bible says that he didn't die for you as you were a good person. He died for you as a sinner. And the Bible says that he, Jesus, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So how does righteousness come to a sinner? It comes by Jesus and Jesus alone. Do you have hope in that today? Do you have hope that when your body dies because of sin, you know that when we were created, the body was meant to live forever. But now the body is born with defects and sicknesses and some of us have to wear glasses or take medication. And no matter how healthy we are, no matter if you live in the Bay Area of San Francisco, I saw them there jogging all day long, outdoor parks, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you guys? Eat a pizza, come to Chicago, we'll show you how it's done. You know, and it doesn't matter how healthy you are, you're still going to die. The Bible says because the wages of sin is death. Death still must come to this body because in this body you sinned, and it must die. But he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die because I live, they will live. And so when he resurrected himself on the third day, and he said, touch me, see, I have flesh like you, and he ate with them. He was showing them that this was the kind of body he would give us when we died with faith in Christ, that we would also rise again with him and live forever with a perfect body in our soul and spirit. This body has to pass away, but our soul and spirit will live on, and we'll either suffer in eternity in hell, 
or will be united with Christ in a resurrected body dwelling forever upon this earth. You might say, Pastor, that's so hard to believe. Well, let me ask you, how do you believe your body ever got formed to begin with? How did the cells know to join together? How did evolution ever work? It couldn't have been random mutation. Evolution can't explain how complexity comes from non-complex things, how life came from non-living things. No scientist has nor will ever explain those things. They may be able to explain how a dog, you know, a pit bull and a chihuahua and a great Dane all come from a common ancestor, variations within their kind, but they'll never explain how an amoeba went from a, a, a fish to a whale to a lizard to a, a, you know, a dog to a monkey to you. It makes no sense. It's foolishness. But yet when you cast God out of your mind, you're only left with foolishness. But the Bible is asking us to have faith. And that faith is a confidence Something that we can be sure of, even though we don't see it. Say this verse with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now I want to give you a story to think about this. Because all of us here have God on trial in some way or another. All of us here have to make our decision. Is God who he said he is? And will he do? what he said he will do. You have to make that decision as you hear a preacher preach. As children right now are in the back listening to Sunday school stories, they in one sense have God on a trial. God, are you a man of your word or are you guilty of lying to us? Maybe saying God is on a trial is not the right way to say it. Maybe we should say it as Christianity, the beliefs in these 66 books, rather, are on trial, and people are making their mind up. Is it true God created the world in six days? Is that true? Is it true that men walked with God and some were taken directly to heaven? Is it true that he parted the Red Sea, met with Moses on a mountain? Is it true the sun stood still in the time of Joseph? Is it true that Jesus was born of a virgin? Is it true he lived sinless life, did miracles, died, rose again on the third day? Is it true that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came like clothing tongues of fire upon their head, and they spoke in languages they had not learned? Is it true that a man named Paul, who was once a Jewish man persecuting Christians, himself was knocked off of his horse and saw Jesus Christ that day on the road to Damascus? And is it true that John on the Isle of Patmos, who recorded the visions now we have in Revelation, is it true that Jesus is coming back on a white horse as King of kings and Lord of lords to judge the nations? And only those who get into this kingdom are those who have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. Is that true? It's on trial right now. Not only here, but in your generation. On TV, on news media outlets, on Facebook, in university campuses with professors, they're putting it on trial. And I want you to think of this story, and it might help you to have faith, confidence, and hope in God today. Imagine if a man was traveling to a remote village, to an indigenous people. These indigenous people had never seen someone from the West, had never met someone with technology. They themselves were kept into this bubble 
because the country they lived in didn't want them to be infected with modern technology. Some countries do this. They say, let these people live just as they are and let their culture grow. Don't interrupt what they're doing. Now imagine a man comes there and they say to him, you can't bring hardly anything with you, but we'll let you bring your GPS. We'll let you bring a satellite phone if there's something that goes wrong. And we'll let you bring your iPad or some type of a technical device that you can use when you're there and a generator to power these things up. Now imagine he travels into this dense jungle to meet this tribe. They've never seen someone like him before. They only know people that look and dress like them. They then begin to greet one another as he's speaking through an interpreter, and they ask him the most common question, where did you come from? Now imagine him trying to explain where he came from. They may say, did, did you come from by the river? And he says, no, I came from further than the river. Did you come by the way of the sea? No, I come further than the sea. Oh, there's nothing there after the sea. You see, if these people had never themselves traveled to the other side of what they would call the ocean, they may have no idea what's over there. And then they may ask him in disbelief, we, we don't, we're not sure if we can believe you, so tell us how you got here. Did you come here on a canoe like this made of trees? And he says, no, I, I didn't come here on something like that. Did you come here on a bigger boat where they row like this? And he says, no, I didn't come here on something like that. Now imagine as they're talking in this dense jungle, all of a sudden an eagle, a, a big bird passes by, and he points to the sky, and he says, I came on something like that. I came on something that is big that holds itself in the air, and he paces out the steps of a 747, and he walks it all the way down. 747 is almost 100 yards, almost a football field, some of them, you know, 70 yards, 50 yards, and he paces it out, and then he paces out the wingspan, and he said, I came on something this big that soared on the wind like an eagle. Now you can begin to imagine the mockery that these people would probably have. Oh, you're kidding. You're lying to us. You didn't come on something that big in the air. And then imagine this man trying to back up his reputation of telling the truth. He pulls out his GPS phone and he starts to dial with it and says, this is our location. And then he zooms it out like a map and he says, this is the earth. And he starts to turn the globe like you can on Google Earth. And he says, this is where I'm from. Now they're marveled, but yet they still don't believe. He then pulls out his technical devices and he starts showing them more and more. And now they're coming to a point of decision. They either are going to believe in something they have never seen based on just a man's testimony. Or they're going to chalk him up as a lunatic and a liar. They come to that decision. Some of these things we can't explain how he has these things. But yet these things are still smaller to try to believe than the huge thing he has tried to tell us, that he came on a flying machine across the seas. Now imagine if they want to test his character. They get together as tribal leaders and they say, we're not sure if he's telling the truth or not. So we want to see, is he a truthful man? Will he tell the truth even under the pain of death? 
So they get together like you would see in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, kind of like in Indiana Jones. They get their prize jewel that they have in their tribe, a big diamond that they have as their notoriety of a tribe, and they give it to the man as a gift, but they don't tell the other warriors that they have given this man this precious gift. As he goes to bed with this precious gift, they wake up the warriors and say, Someone has stolen our precious diamond. This diamond is missing. Where is it? The warriors start searching the huts, and they can't find it anywhere. And then the elders say, let's look at the visitor's hut. Let's go to where the visitor is and see if he has stolen it. As they come into the hut, they see that the man has it just right out for everyone to see. And at this moment, the elders now deny giving it to him. They say, look, he has stolen it, and he's put it up, up, up here for all of us to see because he wants to conquer us. He has come to spy out our land. He is telling us all these lies. He's practicing his witchcraft. He wants to kill and, uh, and plunder us. You can imagine this man in shock. He starts to try to convince the warriors through the interpreter, I didn't steal this. Your elders gave it to me. It was thought of as a gift. And yet the elders do not admit it at all. And now in their tribe, they have a tradition that they must kill the thief, that thieves die. They place this man on his knees. They're about ready to spear him through. And now the elders test his word. They say to this man, listen, we will tell these men, these warriors, not to kill you as long as you just say, I stole it, but I'll give it back. And never come to our land again. We will plead with these warriors for mercy that they will not harm you. But all you have to do is admit the guilt because they will not be convinced otherwise that this jewel has been placed into your tent, placed for all of us to see. And the man on his knees says, I cannot lie. And he prepares himself to die. The tribal leaders look in his eyes and say, this man is telling us the truth. Warriors, we gave him this as a test. He's telling us the truth. And then they look at the man, and imagine now them saying to this man, we don't know about planes. We don't know about flying birds that you can ride on, but we know that you're a person that tells the truth, even under the pains of death, because we have never seen it, have never been there, but we trust you. We will hope in what you said is true. Imagine Jesus coming from heaven to earth now. He comes here and he tells us where's he, where he's from. And people don't believe him. We don't believe you came from heaven. No one's ever come from heaven to earth. Everybody on this earth is born of a mother. That's the only way they get here. But Jesus says, no, before Abraham ever was, I am. I was here before them all. I am the eternal son of God. And people don't believe him, and yet he starts to display God's power. He starts to do miracles, signs and wonders, raises the dead. And now this puts the Jews at a place where they have to decide, is he who he said he is because we've seen no one else like him? Or is he a charlatan and a liar casting out demons by the power of Satan himself? And some of you wonder why Judas would have betrayed Jesus. Now with this story, you might have something in mind to why he did. Many scholars believe the reason why Judas betrayed Jesus is because he wanted to test him if he really was a king. 
He tried to put him on trial so that Jesus at this point would now break his word that he no longer would be the savior of the world, but he would be the judge of the world, calling down angels and hellfire. But you see, Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. And so there, as they're crucifying, and they're saying, if you're really the Son of God, come down. He is saying back to the Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. They don't know where I come from. They don't know who I am, and they don't know what I'm doing. And he dies. And Peter goes back fishing. Only one disciple is there because the majority of the Christians, the disciples now, think it's over. And that's why when you read the Gospels and you hear about Jesus saying prophecies about his death and resurrection, now the Gospel writers add in there, in the midst of the parable, they add in there the literal meaning. Jesus said, kill this, uh, destroy this temple, in three days it will rise. This he meant of his body. Because now as they're going back and telling the story, they understand why he was doing what he was doing. But now he raises from the dead. He goes back and he finds his disciples and he says, look, I am who I said I am and I did what I said I can do. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now go into all the nations, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. What does that simple story in comparison to Jesus teach us? Will you trust him? The heroes of the faith had to trust him. When Abraham was by himself and he's in a desert and all he knows is his family and tribe and God appears to him and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of nations. He had to believe in what he did not see. He had to have hope. Not in a thing, but in a person. The one who showed himself to me will not lie and will not break his word. Now I want you to see how this applies to your life. Look at verse 6. And without faith, it is what? Come on, it is what? Impossible to please God. You cannot please God here on this earth doubting him and not believing in him and not trusting him. Some of you say, well, I'll put my trust in science. Where did rational thought come from that you can do science? Some of you would say, I only will trust in what my hands can work for. How did your hands ever get formed? And how did your brain ever get the capabilities of holding down a job? You see, what is made and seen was made by something unseen, God. And just because you haven't been to heaven yet, and just because you haven't seen him in his full glory yet, doesn't mean it's not true. He has sent his son to you to tell you the truth and the sacrifice, the crucifixion and resurrection is the one place that historians, theologians, scientists, we can all go back and investigate. Did this man keep his word? Because if he rose from the dead on his own power and initiative, it's not a myth. If it is true, then what he said ought to be taken seriously. I'm reminded of the story of Lee Strobel. 
a, a lawyer by trade, but was hired by the Chicago Tribune to research facts for their articles. He was an atheist because he had to test evidence with his five senses to believe it to be true. And so he said, I can't touch, see, smell, hear, you know, see God. I can't do that. So God must not exist. And he was living a decent life, according to his own words, making good money, working downtown, having prestige. He was educated. And yet something interrupted that plan. His wife got born again. His wife came to a church just like this and accepted Jesus with a childlike faith. Well, if it is true Jesus died, then I ought to give him my life. And I will to see what he'll do. And she did. And God changed her life. So she confessed her testimony. I heard the story. Made sense to me. I placed my faith in Christ. Now he's changed me. And Lee Strobel says that he could see the change. Where him and his wife would fight and argue. She would be more humble or more meek. She would be less easy to get angry. She was less boastful and proud. She, he saw a transformation in her life. Now this made Lee even more angry. Because at least she could be a hypocrite Christian like the rest. But his wife out of all Christians happened to be real. So he said, I'll go to her church. I'll meet that pastor and I will disprove his God. He met the pastor. The pastor laid out the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ just as simply as it's been laid out today. And he said, sir, I'll be back in a week, and I'll show you the truth. Lee Strobel, working for Chicago Tribune, being excellent and finding evidence that either acquitted people or condemned people, thought that if he just looked into history... He could see that somehow the disciples lied or made this up. Or if he would compare Christianity to other religions and myths, that somehow it would have to be so similar in its attributes that it would be nothing more than a myth. Yet a week went by and he only dug deeper into his studies without the answer he wanted. A year later, he converted to Christianity through his studies and wrote the book, The Case for Christ. The case for Christ. And you can get that book today and see that your faith is grounded in historical fact. As sure as there was a Roman emperor named Caesar Augustus. As sure as there were poets and there were philosophers. As sure as there was any history. Jesus lived, died, rose of his own power from the dead. Established a church and over 500 witnesses claim to have seen him ascend to heaven. C.S. Lewis, the great writer of myth, who was friends also with J.R.R. Tolkien, who together at Oxford made up the club The Inklings, and they hung out together writing stories that would be read by children and young adults everywhere. Today we make them movies, The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. These men said we have studied myth our whole life and write myth. This is no myth. This is the origin for every myth. When you hear the story about Jesus dying for your sins, even though people were crucifying him and he was forgiving them, is that not the ultimate story of redemption? 
Is not every other story a pale comparison to that? The story of Luke Skywalker, the story of Transformers coming to rescue America. You know, does it, the world, does not every story of rescue and heroism, does it not fail in comparison when you hear the story of God sending his son to die for his own creation and his own creation doesn't even recognize him? Why is it when you hear the story of Christ and his death and resurrection, something even compels you to say, I want to believe in that. One time a man was debating an atheist, and he said, I wish I could believe it's true, but it's really not true. And the man said, why do you even have a desire for it to be true? Where does the desire in man's heart to be saved even come from? Why do we desire beauty? Why do we desire love? Why do we desire relationship? These things are the foreshadow, the, the, just the shadow here of the real. The real is God and all the beauty and all the love and all the relationships we see here are but a shadow from Him. Don't settle just for the shadows, have Him. I want my wife to come forward. Can you give it up for the beautiful Nancy Maceres, now Wyrostic? You see... Nancy and I can hold each other and we can display love. You want to give me a little sugar, honey? Let me wipe my sweat off. I'm sorry. I'm sweating all over. Oh, sorry about that. I can display love to her, but I cannot show her the thing we call love. I, I can't show you on the inside that when I'm holding her, she means so much to me. I, I can say it, honey, I love you, I love you, I love you. But even those words, I love you, I love you, don't even come close to describing how I feel here. Because there's men that can say, I love you, I love you, and then go cheat on their wife and hug their wife and kiss their wife, and it means nothing. So what's different between me and that man? Only what's inside in my heart is what's different. And you can't see it, but you can believe me. And more importantly, she can believe me. And the same thing is with love for God. There's those of us here, we raise our hands, we clap our hands, we say we love him. But really our hearts are far from him. We're just going through the motions. And nobody knows but you. And then there's others of you here. And you raise your hands, you clap, you dance. But there is a love that you have on the inside for God that words cannot even explain. There is a confidence, a trust, a companionship you have with him, and you wouldn't trade it for anything. Let's give it up for beautiful Boopster Boop. Thank you. In closing, in closing, the same thing is true with faith. How can I show you my faith? We can all say we have it, and I can even begin to act on it. But how do you know that I really have it? Couldn't I just be playing make-believe? I mean, when you see these people dress up and go to a Star Trek convention, I mean, don't they believe they're a Klingon for the night? You know, you know don't Cubs fans believe they're actually going to win a game? <laughs> I mean, 
it, I mean, you, you know, you see people do some of the most ridiculous things, right? And yet, we, we have no way of testing them. Do you, do you really believe the Cubs are going to win despite all the losing evidence? Do you really believe that your husband or wife will be faithful to you, you know, despite all the divorces? How do we know the matter of the heart? You know, this is where the Bible says, and going down to verse 6, that only God really knows the heart. That only God really knows the heart. And that if you want to please him, you have to have faith in him. And it's not something we all just uh, shout out today for each other. I have faith in God. No, it's something that you personally have to live out in your areas of life where God is asking you to do things where you don't see his plan ahead. You don't see the provision ahead. You don't see heaven or healing ahead. But you have to trust him right now. Just a real simple example, starting with single young adults. Can you trust and believe God that he has the perfect person for you, that you don't have to settle in any way? For all the marriages here with children, do you believe that by coming to church, raising your children right, that God will keep your children for as long as they shall live? And now as we look to our jobs and to our careers and to our occupations do we believe that whether the economy goes up and down that God will provide for us that God will give us gifts and abilities do you know that most of the jobs that you do today didn't even exist 50 years ago most of the things you do people didn't even do 50 years ago so you may be freaking out going I don't know what I'm going to do 10 years from now 5 years God could create a whole nother industry in this country a whole nother line of business a whole nother kind of occupation for you that you don't even know exists yet yet you're the perfect person for that kind of job hello most people didn't even know about computers 50 years ago. Now how many people make livings off of data work, data entry, working with computers, you know, selling things to, to, to customers online. These are the kinds of things that can change in just a moment. But God is trying to tell you right now, I've got your back. I've been to the future and I've seen what it looks like and it looks good. And you look good in the future because I'm with you. Don't trade your future with God for your present-day problems. Have faith. Have faith in a person that he is who he said he is, and he'll do what he said he's going to do. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. Would you stand up, please? We're going to dismiss today. Altar workers, would you come? After our time of a short time of prayer, we have a special thing that we're going to do. We're going to uh, help a family, a husband and wife, rededicate their vows to each other, renew their vows, rather. So if you want to stay after for that, they would love to have you be their special guest today just to watch them to do that after many years of marriage. In closing, as you're standing today, I want to read this. Two verses, and then I want to ask you to pray. And see what God is speaking to you. Because faith is, now faith is. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's pray. Father, let your word today saturate our lives. Ben, would you come, please? Oh, God, speak to our hearts. Just like you spoke to Noah, told him to build an ark. Tell us what to build in our lives today. Just like you told Abraham to move and to start a new career. Tell us where to move and start a new career. God, just like you spoke to people about their children and the families they would have, speak to our hearts about the children and the families you want us to have. Just like you spoke to marriages, God, speak to marriages now. Lord, just like you've blessed people financially in the past, bless people financially now. Give them your promise that things will be all right as they give you their best. You promised Abel, and he's still a testimony. Lord, there's people here that are called to do ministry. You spoke your word to your first disciples, and they turned the world right side up. Give callings to your ministers here. Lord, you gave hope to people in hopeless situations. Those who had suffered loss, those who were falsely arrested and put in prison, those who lost their loved ones, were betrayed. God, you gave people in the Bible hope despite what they were going through. Would you do that now? Just in an attitude of prayer, would you just place your hand over your heart and say, Lord, I believe you are who you said you are. And you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Now speak to my heart. Show me who you are and what you're going to do in my life. Come on, just as the band plays, let them speak to you right now. Maybe just sing softly in the background if you can, just a chorus. Before we move from this place today, let God speak to you. Just as the chorus is singing and some are praying, if you're sick in your body right now, would you just come and let us pray for you? I heard a lot of coughing, a lot of viruses going on. Just as we're praying, would you just let us pray for you? Just come up to the front quickly, please. We believe in what we don't see. We ask a God who created our bodies to heal our bodies. Just let us pray for you. Keep worshiping, band. Keep praying, congregation. We're going to dismiss in just a few moments. But I just want to pray for those who are sick right now. Altar workers, help them right now. Just lay hands on them and say, be healed in Jesus' name. We're not doctors. We're not here to diagnose you or give you medication. We're just here to have hope and a confidence in God, His power.
Those that are in the audience, you can sing the worship song or you can just keep praying. Take your time today. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. But please, don't be in a hurry. Let God talk to you. There's nothing like His voice. There's nothing like spending time with God. Give us your plans. Some of you, you can hear my voice as you're praying. Listen, some of you have come to church with so much worry. So much worry about your future, your family, your health, what you're going through. Let God speak His peace to your life today. You may just hear God say, peace, be still, don't worry. Believe that today. For some of you here, you may doubt God. You may not be sure if He exists. We don't want to embarrass you. Just in your heart right now, just say, God, if you're real, would you touch me in a way? Would you impact me in such a way that I know it's you? Touch me. Speak to me. Move me. He will. I came to Jesus not because of religion 18 years ago. I came to Jesus because I had an encounter with Jesus. He touched my heart in a way that women, drugs, money, success, nothing could touch. Hallelujah. Come on, those who are worshiping, worship the Lord today. He's worthy. Those who need to keep praying, keep praying today. Faith is. Now faith is. Now faith is your hope. Now faith is your joy. Your answer to prayers. Your marriage being healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Two more minutes. Raise up the band a little bit, please. Let's sing it out today, these precious words. I found a love greater than life itself. I found a hope stronger than nothing compared to you. I once was lost, but now I'm alive in you. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. We say yes to you. I found a love in Jesus' name. Life, transformation, power, come. Hope, come. Hallelujah. One more time. Just one more time, saints. Can you sing it today? I found it. It's in God. So great. There's a hope today. I once was lost, but now I'm alive in you. Amen. We're going to pray and dismiss. Would you look up at me, please, as we get ready? There's a lot of you who have needs in here today. We've got faith to pray for you. We're going to dismiss those who have to go, but those who want prayer, come. Let us pray for you. 
And then we'll meet here at 1210 to renew some vows of a beautiful couple. Amen. But I want to give you 10 minutes if you want to receive prayer today. If you got to go, go. But if you want prayer, we've got some faith. And if you have faith, just the size of a mustard seed, get ready. Watch what God will do. That's all I had 18 years ago. You don't know what God can do in your life. Amen. Father, thank you today for this wonderful service. I pray that we'll all keep our faith in you. Help us to please you in all we do. Bless our lives and our families. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Can we bless them one more time? Come on, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. If you want to keep worshiping, come on. If you need prayer for anything, let's pray for you. Otherwise, we'll see you at life groups. God bless you. We're singing majesty. Your grace has found me just as I am Empty-handed but life in your hand We're singing majesty Majesty Forever Forever We're singing majesty, oh Jesus, majesty, your grace, your grace has found me just as I am, oh, empty-handed but life in your hand, we sing, Lord, I'm singing majesty, oh, and majesty, your grace, your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed.